Welcome to the First Love Podcast from First Presbyterian Church, Jacksonville, Illinois, with Reverend Jonathan Warren. Reverend Warren's sermon today is Abundant Life. You will also be able to enjoy guest performer Maggie Albers. For more information about our church, including our live services on Sunday, please listen to the message at the end of the service today. God bless and have a joyful, healthy, safe week. I'd like to especially welcome all those worshiping with us. For those joining on Facebook Live, if you haven't already, please tell us you're here. And for any outside of Jacksonville, tell us where you're from. Today, I'm very excited about Maddie Albers, who is singing today along with our musicians, Christine Smith and Stephanie Solterman. They're the ones who really make uh, it work. So I really appreciate them. We also have some behind the scenes folks. who don't get enough credit, uh, John Nelson and uh, Steve Holt and Alan Stair is virtually connected, making sure we're doing all this uh, properly. So I really appreciate all those who have taken time uh, out of their busy schedules to make sure we have worship this morning. We're sharing virtual communion today, so please, if you haven't already, please take the time right now to prepare bread or a substitute like crackers and small cup or small cups of juice or a substitute like wine or water for you and your family. Set these elements near you as you worship. You may want to put them on a special cloth or fabric, light a candle beside the bread and the cup so that you can share together. Next Sunday, May 10th, is Mother's Day. And if you'd like to send a picture of you and your mom or a picture of just your mother, we'd like to showcase those before worship and near the end of worship as well, just to uh, give thanks to our mothers. Please send it to the church at office at firstpresjacks.org. Office at firstpresjacks.org is the email by Friday, so we can put it into a slideshow before worship begins. Invite you to look at the prayers and the announcements at the end of your bulletin. During our opening music, please comment about where you have seen or experienced God this week. Let us worship God. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe display. Then sings my soul, my Savior, God, to thee, how great thou art. How great thou art, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. And when I God, his son, not sparing, sent him to die. The scarce can take it in. 
burning, madly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my Savior, God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior, God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and lead me on. What joy shall fill my heart? Then I shall bow with humble adoration and then proclaim, My God, how great thou art! My soul, my Savior, God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior, God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Please join me in the call to worship printed in your bulletin. The Lord is our shepherd. We are the sheep of Christ's pasture. The shepherd makes us lie down in green pastures. In Christ, we dwell secure. The shepherd leads us beside still waters and restores our souls. We worship Christ, our shepherd, our gate. blessed us with every spiritual blessing and adopted us as his children and calls us to live always 
and only for him. But because of our own fears and our own blindness, we do not receive the abundant life we are offered. Let us come before God and confess our sins and ask for his forgiveness. Let's join together. Christ, our shepherd and gate, we would rather chart our own course than be shepherded like sheep. We would rather find our own way than see you as the way. We would rather be shepherds than sheep who are vulnerable and exposed. Forgive us when we bleat our resistance as you guide us to higher pastures. Be our gate, our safe havens, where we can dwell with you secure. Amen. And now let us silence, silently confess our sins to God. Amen. We come here today at the font and are reminded that Christ brings us peace. Christ is the good shepherd and he brings life so that we are forgiven, that we can be reconciled with one another, so that we can share the good news with each other and know that we are loved and forgiven at peace. Let's know this and share this. In Jesus' name, amen. Our first scripture reading comes to us from Psalm 23, one that we all know very familiarly, one that is so lovely to hear, to be spoken. And as we prepare for this reading, let us prepare our hearts by, by saying the prayer for illumination together. Speak to us, living God, as you have spoken to our ancestors the voices of your prophets, the breath of your spirit, and the life of your Son, so that we may live according to your word, through Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. As we read this first scripture, let's listen to the word of God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. 
Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. On the darkest night of my longest day, just couldn't find my way in the desperate hours of a world grown cold i drop to my knees and i pray i pray lord i've got worries and i've got pain shine your light down on me stop the rain shine your light oh lord shine on shine on shine on that deserves a few hearts or a few amens. Thank you. Our gospel reading for today comes from John chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. 
Let us listen to the word of God. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in by another way is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger. They will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I'm the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. This, for this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. At this moment, we're, uh, I'm inviting all the children to come to the screen and to uh, hear the children's message. Now, today is very exciting because we get to come here to the communion table here at church, but the most exciting part is that we get to come to our own kitchens and dining rooms and living rooms. You all have bread or crackers. You have something at your table, and it's kind of exciting. It's, it's exciting that we can share this virtually together. It's a little different. But it's kind of neat because the neatest part of this is you get to do this in your homes. You get to share this special bread and this special juice in your homes. And I wanted to tell you that this was also a different thing for uh, the first Christians. Did you know that? They had it a lot different too. Uh, many people 
uh, remember, probably the apostles remember the Last Supper when they had a dinner with Jesus and he broke bread and he uh, had juice. But then what would happen when they go back to their towns? And the Apostle Paul writes a letter to the church in Corinth. And that's one of the Bibles, or that's one of the books in our Bible. And the neat part of that is Paul writes a note and tells them what to say when to have the bread and when they have their cup, their juice. And he tells them, break this bread and drink this juice and we will share together. It, it was a new thing. And it probably felt very different for these folks. But it felt, felt very special because they knew that wherever they were, they could share Christ's body, Christ's bread. And they were together. And so that's what we're going to do today. It, it, we're doing it a little bit differently, but not that much different. And so we come together as families in our kitchens or in our living rooms or at our dining room table, wherever you are worshiping, you can share this bread and this juice. And it's special. And we always tell our, our children, we say, and, and parents, maybe you could say this, I bet the kids already know this, but when you have this bread, even little children can eat this. It means Jesus loves us. And so you eat the bread and you say, Jesus loves me. And you drink the juice and you say, Jesus loves me. That's what this means. It's so special and so important that we can't just have it here at church. And when we're at our homes, when we're eating bread and drinking around the dinner table, we can remember that this is also where Jesus comes. So I want you to think of that today. It's so special and so neat. And I want you to, uh, to remember in your mind that this might be the first time that we've done this, but you'll be able to tell your children that we could have bread and juice around our home and share it together. And every time we eat it, we say, Jesus loves me. Can you do that? Okay, now let's wiggle those fingers. Let's wiggle, 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 and put them together and say an echo prayer. So repeat after me. Dear God, we thank you that you love us. We thank you for this special bread and this special juice that Jesus gives us. We pray that you bless it and remind us, Jesus loves me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever tried to explain something to somebody and they just don't get it? So you tell them another way and they still don't get it. 
I want to apologize right now to the many people out there who I've absolutely frustrated time and time again because they've had to explain things differently uh, three times or more, and I still haven't gotten it. Like my theology professor, transubstantiation, consubstantiation, theological terms with six syllables or more should be outlawed. Am I right? Or my mechanic? Parts and engines, I'm pretty sure by the bills, they know I have no clue. I can keep going on because there's a lot of times I just don't get it. The truth is, it's exactly what's happening in our scripture reading today. So if you don't understand what's going on, even Jesus admits that he's telling these folks a riddle. Jesus had just healed a man who was born blind, and this blind man who is now seeing ends up worshiping Jesus as our Lord, while the Pharisees are judged to be blind. They don't get it. So Jesus tries explaining things to them. First, Jesus tells them that he's the gatekeeper. Then he explains that he's the gate. It's quite obvious what a gate is. I, I have a fence. Come on. Uh, except a few months ago when Siobhan comes back from the Holy Land explaining to me that the gate isn't like what I imagined. The gate's actually a person. The one who stayed up all night keeping watch and protecting the sheep. Now, this metaphor is lost on them and uh, a bit on us. So Jesus gets to the last and probably the simplest metaphor, where he says, I am the good shepherd. Now, why didn't Jesus just start with this one? Anybody can figure out what a good shepherd is. Then he explains, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, which likely unnerves most of those who are listening. Why would God the creator of the universe, need to lay down his life for the created. After all three of these metaphors, they still don't get it. They're blind to the vision that Jesus has for the world. I don't know about you, but it seems like there's so many voices out in our world trying to grab our attention, so many that when we try to discern what Jesus is telling us, it's nearly impossible to wade through the cacophony of voices. I have to admit that we used to get very bombarded by so many ads and enticements. Luckily, when this pandemic began, it seemed like some of those had kind of faded away, which was kind of nice. But now that we're going on months, we're still trying to figure out who to listen to. Some voices are clearly better than others. However, hearing the right voices, hearing Jesus' voice, still proves difficult. I admit that the church has not always been the clear voice and the vision of Jesus. Try as it might, its followers get pulled into becoming uh, at times, moral gatekeepers. One scholar reminds us about when the church practiced fencing the table. 
as moral gatekeepers, the church decided who was worthy to participate, who could come to the table. And one of the ways they did this was by sharing communion tokens, which originated in the 16th century with John Calvin. The thought was, he said, to prevent profanation of the Lord's table. Now, eventually, uh, tokens were handed out to church members deemed worthy. Everyone else was not invited to the table. The table became a literal representation of gatekeeping and anxiety instead of a feast of reconciliation. Now today, we know these things are not part of Jesus' vision. Church and its people still mix up these metaphors that Jesus shares. Our church elders are reading a book together, Having Nothing, Possessing Everything. It's a book by Reverend Michael Mather. And his passion is to lead churches into community building and serving one another, becoming neighbors in our own neighborhood. One Sunday, after he preached on Joel's vision of God's gifting everyone, a member boldly tells him that they weren't practicing what he preached. When, we, when people come to the food pantry, she said, we ask people how poor they are rather than how rich they are. After he heard this, he didn't even know how to respond. Shamed? He whispered, you're right. We say in worship that God's spirit flows down on everyone, and then we act like it isn't true. The hard truth is, this is the way most of us operate. It's the way most churches operate. We say one thing in worship, then act a different way. We're good at making programs, but we're not always helping wish it was easier to listen and understand what Jesus' vision is, but the reality is most of Jesus' followers don't really get it either. Not only is it hard to follow him when there are so many leading us astray, and even though Jesus explains it three different ways, it's as if he's telling us three very complicated riddles. How do we follow a vision when we can't begin to figure it all out? It would have been a lot easier to solve Jesus' riddle in Scripture if instead of using all these metaphors, Jesus just told us where to look. Everyone thinks they know what a good shepherd should do. The shepherd giving his own life just doesn't seem logical. It certainly wouldn't provide the food necessary. It would be impossible to offer, offer safety and protection needed in the long term. It seems like the last twist in Jesus' vision would only make things worse for the sheep. And this is where Jesus' riddle seems to puzzle everybody. The trick to Jesus' vision is that it's actually bigger than anyone could ever imagine. Jesus' vision goes beyond a generation or two. I am the good shepherd laying down my life. It's one where Jesus actually embraces the riddle of life. 
by dying and then being raised. Jesus becomes the answer to the riddle, providing abundant life for all. And Jesus' vision means that God is able to be with us through all things, even now, in the world to come, for all generations before us and after us. We can see it here at the table. We can see it here when we're struggling in our world each day. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We're not alone because the good shepherd has conquered life and death. So even if we walk in the shadow of death, we know that he's with us. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Whether it's a job loss or pandemics or insecurity or cancer, Jesus, the good shepherd, watches over us providing us with what we really need, more than we need. My cup runneth over. Jesus is the good shepherd, reflective of God's own providential love. Jesus' relationship with his disciples is one of intimacy and trust, and it, be, it goes beyond just the disciples that he walks beside. They listen to his voice and recognize him. He brings them no harm, but protects them. They willingly follow him even to death, and he brings to them the source of life. Jesus comes that they may have life and have it abundantly. Theology professor David Jensen from my... Uh, Alum, Austin Seminary, he says this, Abundance in Jesus' vision centers on our relationships with God, with other people, and, and with creation itself. Jesus urges us to make the circle of our concern wider and wider. Essentially, God so loved the world, the gate swings open. Not only around this table, but it extends to all of our tables, our kitchen tables, our dining room tables, our living room tables, and it extends even beyond those. It becomes wider and wider, especially for those scattered and lost sheep, even those who are confused and lost by metaphors and riddles. In Reverend Mather's book, when the church member told him that he didn't practice what he preached, Mather's church decided to throw it all out and to live into Joel's message. They decided from here on out, they'd be asking people about their gifts. Soon after this, they met Adelaide, who was in need of food. They asked her all these questions, not about her needs, but about her gifts. She finally told them that she was a really good cook. 
and Reverend Mather tells her to prove it. Cook a meal for me and our staff uh, on Friday this week. The lunch they had was absolutely fabulous. And the church began encouraging local groups to hire Adelaide to cater meals for their meetings with the deacons and the hospital board and the elementary school PTA. All these folks were part of these groups, and they invited Adelaide to be their caterer. Eventually, Adelaide got a job with the Chamber of Commerce, and the church invested only $20 in 1,000 business cards that Adelaide handed out at this lunch. A year and a half after she proved it, Adelaide opened her own restaurant. If the church had asked Adelaide how poor she was, if they had been the gatekeepers of the food pantry, this opportunity would never have been possible. They threw out all the programs and the fix-it mentality that most churches have, and when they asked about her gifts... It opened the gate to an abundant life, not only for Adelaide, but for the entire community. Our job as Jesus' followers is not to be gatekeepers, but to follow Jesus' vision that's much larger, to swing the gate wider and wider in our relationships with others, so that we'll discover the gifts and talents beyond our community. So today in particular, as we feast at this table, it literally expands us to all of our kitchens and dining rooms and living rooms, discovering that God's abundant life goes very far beyond the sanctuary, even goes beyond our very own homes beyond generations, beyond this life. And as we eat this bread and as we drink this cup, Jesus becomes the answer to the riddle of life. Expanding this table wider and wider to to form relationships with one another, to form relationship with God. Providing abundant life for each person one of us. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now let us affirm our faith by saying the Apostles' Creed together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
If you're just joining with us and you haven't had a chance to prepare elements for communion, I encourage you to do so quickly during our offertory. Be assured that a slice of bread or cracker can become a sacrament, even a cup of water or tea, a remembrance of God's redeeming love. Communion does not need elements. As Psalm 34, 8 says, you can taste and see that God is good even if you cannot partake. During the offering music, please make a comment about how you will give to God this week. And now let us give of our tithes and our offerings and our whole selves to God.
And now let us dedicate these gifts to God by saying the prayer of dedication together. Holy One, touch us with the awe that came upon these early disciples as they beheld the signs and wonders performed in their midst by the apostles. May the gifts we offer this day be a remembrance of their commitment to share all things in common. In Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, this is the joyful feast of the people of God. They will come from east and west and from north and south and sit at table in the kingdom of God. In our many kitchens and living rooms, we gather today around the table. These are not Presbyterian or Protestant tables. They are now our Lord's tables. And Jesus' invitation is to all who trust in him, whatever our background, whatever our tradition, whatever burdens or blessings we share, we are all invited to share this feast that Christ has prepared. The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give thanks and praise. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us that this meal may be a communion of the body and blood of our Lord. Make us one with Christ and with all who share this feast. Unite us in faith, encourage us with hope, inspire us to love that we may serve as your faithful disciples until we feast at your table in glory. And now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, let us pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, the Apostle Paul shared letters as resources for remote worship. And he sent these words of institution to the church in Corinth. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said to them, This is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant, my blood. Do this as often as you do, do this and in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And now, in our many places, as we receive these gifts of God, I invite you now to pick up your bread, and if there's more than one person worshiping together in your home, to serve each other the elements. 
Let us now receive together the bread of life and the cup of salvation given for you. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Now let us join together in the prayer after communion, saying together, God of grace, you renew us at your table with the bread of life. May this food strengthen us in love and help us to serve you in each other. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
And today, with bread and cup, we're reminded that Christ gives us abundant life in that hope. Hope every hour and every day. And now let us receive the benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the bond of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen. information about the First Presbyterian Church, Jacksonville, Illinois, you can write us a note at 870 West College, Jacksonville, Illinois, 62650, or call us at 217-245-4189. Our email is office at firstpresjax.org. That's P-R-E-S-J-A-X dot O-R-G. Join us Sundays at 10 a.m. for our live service at our Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash firstpresjacks. Look for the live link. Our website is www.firstpresjacks.org. God bless and have a healthy, safe week.